Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. What do you get when you pair an Austrian type geek with a Canadian type nerd? Answer? Episode 134 of Talk Paper Scissors, talking all about pairing type, no less. The universe kerned Oliver, creator of Pimp My Type, and I together. As we began communicating, we learned that we truly lead parallel lives in our careers, our family life, and our type passion projects, where we're both bold, never regular. In this episode, you'll hear Oliver's approach to pairing type, a helpful framework to think about categorizing type in a different way, rethinking font classification systems for finding type versus for filing type. Finally, you'll hear Oliver's favorite pairing right now, the typeface he would choose if he could only choose one, and so much more. Now, if you can't get enough of our witty banter, I was also a guest on Oliver's YouTube channel, and he's releasing our episode today as well. So when you're finished listening here, check out Pimp My Type. Also, I am living for this music. It just feels right for this episode. Retro synths for life. Okay, on with the show. (laughs) Hi, Oliver. Hey there, Diana. How are you? I'm great. I'm good. Looked forward to this occasion for a time now since I'm a fan of your podcast as well. And so I really enjoy talking to you today. Yes, I'm so excited as well. And I love the videos and the, especially your Friday videos that that you uh, put out. And I mean, really it... They are such a treasure trove of typographic nerdery and information and all of the the wonderful things that I live and breathe. And so I, I truly appreciate what, what you're putting out into the world. It's super helpful. That's so kind. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. So maybe you can just tell us a little bit more about yourself and your professional background and why you you are putting all of this this awesome information out into the world. Yeah, um, I'm a user interface and app designer, and um, I run my own design business doing that. And I also, as you said, I um, speak and I'm a YouTuber and have my uh, social media channels filled with typographic joy to show others and uh, help others improve their messaging and their stuff with awesome pimped typography. So that's basically... (laughs) That's basically the goal behind it. And to empower people, yeah, to make use of this great little skill typography that is typography, since you really can achieve so much with it. And the, um, yeah, the kind of backstory there, how I got into this was at design school. I started graphic design in Austria in um, 2004 or five, I think I started. And before that, I also did some web design and um, I loved creating I also did a school paper when I was eight or something and sold it <gasps> sold I it did to my something mate. similar yes yes that's cool it was called the it was called the wacky animal newspaper and my friend Marsha and I 
who she's now gone on to do a PhD and and do brilliant things. But she and I started the Wacky Animal Newspaper Mm -hmm. set in Comic Sans when we were about seven years old. Appropriate. I'm right there with you. Yeah, that's appropriate. No, awesome. I used Brush Script MT, uh, but I also... (laughs) It basically was a typewriter by my grandparents, and it was an electric typewriter already, so it was future tech, but not the computer with this needle printer stuff uh, back then. And yeah, I, I enjoyed layouting it, and my father helped me on the computer. And yeah, but then the the teacher forbid me to sell it to the others, so I had to trade it in, and then it wasn't that much fun anymore. <laughs> That was a sad end to that lovely story. But now that yeah. you're you're a professional and you're an adult and you're back at it, I'm I'm so happy to see that. Yeah. And then basically the thing where um, my eyes got opened regarding typography was then in design school, as I mentioned, where I had the typography class, of course. And um, suddenly this world started to reveal. And one tiny detail was when I learned about the spacing of all caps text where it should mm. be spaced out depending on typeface of course but you should space it out since uppercase letters and lowercase letters are made to be combined and uppercase letters with uppercase letters always need some visual adjustment so i've learned this in i think t- two months in in graphic design and then i stood into the sh- in the shower one evening after having had i had to do so many assignments of course and it was late and stuff and oh you're always too late with assignments i think you know that from your students uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then i take a look at that shower bottle and it's warm and it's uh, comforting but then i'm shocked and i'm struck in my heart because i see that the typeface in all caps letters there is not spaced out properly and i could not believe it because these are professionals who made this label Mm. and stuff. How could they not know? And how could I know after two months of typographic education? And then, yeah, basically this started for me. Maybe not everybody knows that. And um, maybe people should know how much better it might, might look. And this is the thing that drives me. You can improve so much by taking a bit time to look at these tiny details. Mm-hmm. It is all in the details, isn't it? Yeah. Design is this interesting space whereby I was having a conversation the other day whereby you kind of need microscopes to, to examine the tiny details, but then you also need to zoom out and use telescopes to see the big picture. Design is really a, a space where you need both of those skill sets. Oh, that's a beautiful metaphor. Love it. And today we're really talking about pairing type because that's something that you uh, really enjoy kind of looking at and 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 talking about. So, in your opinion, like what is your what is what is the best approach to pairing type? Yeah, yeah. Um, let me cycle back with there maybe because um, when I started out with Pimp My Type two years ago, uh, a lot of people asked me what fonts they should pair. Or what typefaces mm. go together were. And this was not really an issue for me because it came more or less when picking a typeface and combining it with another is the most enjoy enjoyed part of a project for me. I love to do this. It's it's just like I wish I could only do that. But it's basically you have to do the other stuff as well. You have to apply it, which is also fun. But um choosing the typeface is the thing and combining it with another, I really like to do. And then I started to ask people why they are, why they wanted to know and what they wanted to learn. And the thing is that there are not really a lot of hard and fast rules you can apply to many. 
And you really have to make so many decisions as a designer. It's not only the typeface and how you can combine it. And it takes up a lot of time. And to many people, as I found out, it is a lot. It's a frustrating task. Since you're not really sure, does this really work? It's like magic or like randomness. Yeah. And in some cases, that's also fine and okay. But then I tried to really my methodology and my approach, I tried to structure that and to make it accessible to artists as well so that they can learn from it. And as you know, Diana, when you want to teach something, you really start to learn about it Big time. because you want to understand. Yes, and it's the best occasion to learn while sharing with others. And um, so I started with, with, with these different approaches. And when we start very, we can then go into a lot of details and nerdy stuff, but let's start very basic. The best question you should ask yourself before pairing two typefaces is why mm. why do you want to have another typeface this is the the beginner's question basically there are a lot of people tell you that you can do great work with only one typeface of family then so to say different weights or styles italic regular or what have you small caps even so caps so you have a lot of room for expression within one typeface already but why do you want to pick another typeface then? And there are several cases where this makes sense, of course. And most obvious one is if you have several roles or different roles for different typefaces. So, for example, a heading and a body text or functional text, which could be marginalia or captions or um, a pagination or something like that. Or display text, which also could be then a gi gigantic heading or something like that. So something that has to be rather large. And these could be common cases or if you have a blog and you write about code and stuff and you want to add some code snippets in there you might want to use a monospace font for that because it's common to set this in monospace or if you want to highlight some parts in it to emphasize things then you want to mix it with an R typeface as well you could do it from the same family or you could add another and the thing with combining typefaces it always becomes something different when you combine it and this is the thing I find very interesting. So the first thing you should pay attention to is what roles do you want your typefaces to have and why do you want to combine typefaces? It's like making a salad. There's so many different ways to make a salad. You, so many <laughs> ingredients. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why am I making this salad? Yeah, definitely. So it to be a side salad or a hearty... A hearty lunch, a hearty meal. Yeah, no, but sorry. In all seriousness, it's. I think that's a great, a great question to ask. Is simply like, why? Why am I? Why do I want to add an, a different typeface? And kind yeah. of understanding the role that each of the these blocks or sections of text play. Yeah, yeah I think this is. Yeah, I love the salad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll add some breadsticks to it, and I, I, let's. <laughs> or croutons or whatever and uh, <laughs> and yeah the thing about there is you want to spy most of the time you there are two main reasons as i said you have a display typeface and the display typeface for the heading or for the title or something like that it should draw you in it should appeal mm -hmm. emotionally it should be interesting it should more or less these are the kind of texts that you see before you read them and the wonderful and brilliant thing with typography is that you cannot separate the content from its shape it's one it really melts together and it influences each other 
the content and the, the visual representation of it. And this is what really intrigues me about this topic. And then when you combine it with the body text, which should be more calm and, uh, and, and easy to read and not very striking since you want here to, to focus on the content and not on the typeface. And you uh, explain this very brilliantly on my uh, podcast and basically on my uh, YouTube channel as well, where you guessed it. And um, so, so you really want to, to make both typefaces interesting for their own purpose or work for their own purpose. So this uh, emotional appeal. And then there's the question, how do they go together? And why, how can you, and this is the, the, the how can you decide if this is a good match or if it's not a good match? And my approach there would be, you have to pick one typeface first. This is, Mm. So why should you pair it at all and then pick your base? If you don't have a base, you have too many variables right, lying around and you have to change everything up all the time and you just get crazy because you start over every time. So pick one typeface, so maybe for the, or I suggest for the main kind of content you have. If it's a book, then it's the body text there for the, for the long reading format text. If you have a website, and it is just for, let's say, for marketing purposes. And it could also be a disparate text if you start from there. And then you need something for smaller sizes that's functional. And start from there. Just start from the first typeface. And then think about what is missing in my overall project from its appeal, from the idea that I want to add. And then you can add this by choosing the other typeface for that specific role. I love that approach. And if we can go back for a second, I think that it's so interesting to think about the inverse relationship, I'll almost call it, or the, the differing roles that display type and headlines and, and all of those kind of, the fact that you want the typography to stand out, that the words and the type that you choose ultimately create the voice of that piece of that, whatever you're designing. But then when you're thinking about body copy, you want the typography to disappear. You want yeah. the whatever is is the um, the the kind of meat of whatever that is that you're you're designing the actual content to be the shining star versus the type. Because if the type if you're noticing the type, it's distracting. It's getting in the way. So I think that inverse relationship, and then choosing one. And and like you said, if it's a long document the body copy and choosing that typeface first because that's the real kind of the foundation of that of that thing that you're designing choose that first and then add the other after i think yeah, that's yeah. great advice yeah yeah and then is the, the the next question then there would be what should the combination be should it be mm -hmm. a contrasting or should it be a harmonious one so should it be some kind of familiar in the combination or should it not because when you pick a good body typeface for body text let's stay with that uh, stick with that example um and you see it doesn't really work for the headings it's not interesting enough it's too mm. uh, widely spaced and it's too sturdy or stuff it's not contrasting enough something like that yeah then you 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 know what you're looking for the, the thing is 
you don't know what you can get if you don't know what you're looking for. You can, this is so overwhelming. You have so many typefaces to choose from. And then when you pick a category on Adobe fonts or on Google fonts, or wherever you might be, I love typography or somewhere, somewhere else. And then you start browsing the catalogs. You have to have a glimpse or an idea what you could start with. And um, when we stay with this traditional genre categorizations, which are good to make a first step, but are very, yeah, let's go to the deeper, but uh, they're good for a first step. Like, for example, serif, sans serif, uh, handwritten display, which they toss in everything that doesn't fit in the others. And right. <laughs> <laughs> The other bin. The other bin, yes. But just to get started there, you can you can have an idea or from tags, uh, things that are related to a certain topic or issue or what, whatever. But then you have to take a look at the, the typefaces themselves. And if you want this to be contrasting, when you think in the classic uh, um, um, classifications with um, sans serif, serif, and let's say slab serif for the sake of adding it in there, <laughs> if we won't include it in serif, um, you can combine this with almost any kind of script typeface, um, handwritten typeface, or display. No, yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer might not apply in your case. Um, but <laughs> yeah, ju just as a starting point here. And um, but then when it comes to this category of serif or sans serif within these categories, there are a lot of things different even. So for example, when you take a look at Garamond and compare these two Times New Roman, you will see that both typefaces look very different, although they are in the same category. Or if you might take a look at Helvetica or uh, Futura, they are also very different or open sans or something like that, yeah? But they are all sans serif typefaces. So it is something that is different even though they are sans serif or serif. And this is the problem with classification and classifying typefaces because um, as Nadine Shahino was also on your show and um, also on Pin My Type points out very, very nicely is that the serifs are the shoes of the typeface, she says. Mm, and mm -hmm. it's just, it's not the thing that differentiates them. And I agree with that 100% because it is something that is a minor detail. But there are things that you can take a look at that are underneath the construction of typefaces that will make it clearer if they go along together or if they don't. I love that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I guess the next kind of question I have for you as it relates to pairing type is then can, are there any kind of ways we can use technology to help us choose type? And, and are there any tools available that you know of that can actually help designers expedite this pairing of typefaces? Because while you find it really enjoyable, <laughs> I know yeah. many others who don't, don't love it as much. Yeah. The thing is, I, I, there are some resources, of course, like fontpair.com, I think, is one, but uh, others, uh, or there are some suggestions on Adobe fonts what might pair with that typeface, but they are more or less random as I mm. see them. The problem there is, let's let's say, it should you shouldn't feel intimidated by combining typefaces. L let's start with that, because 
it's a great adventure to do so. It's a Indra Kupferschmidt, um, a, a type, typography professor from Germany, said that, and she she's she's just very enthusiastic also about this kind of um, classification stuff and things. And she spent a lot of time thinking about it, and then she just says try out explore have mm. fun with it nobody's going to put you in jail typography police won't show up and kill you or something <laughs> like that no it's not gonna happen it's just a project you're going to learn something you're going to evolve your taste will change you will grow as a designer as a person whatever so do it just combine those typefaces and um, don't take it so hard. Don't be so hard on yourself. And there are a lot of people who take this more easily. And there are some that just play around and pick and stuff. And if it works out, it does. And there are others that really have this need a rational approach. And when you want this uh, resources like font pair or the suggestions on Adobe fonts, I think this is more like of an inspirational part. This could look that way together because they bring you very senseless things like combining Lato a sensor of typeface with open sense a sensor which is why should you do that just choose the first one because this is one hard and fast rule do you want it to be similar or do you want it to be different if you want it to be similar then you you name take the same typeface or something that's almost the same which then works in that function. For example, if you want a monospace typeface that's more or less the same, but monospace for this kind of um, um, code snippets or stuff inside your text, then take something that works for that or pick a family that contains a mon monospace font uh, if you really want to be sure. But then I really would say, if you want contrast, make something very contrasting. And you can always, this is also a, a tiny tip here, you can always hide a poor decision by emphasizing the weights. So if you, for example, mm. use something very light and then you have a regular body text, the difference between the weights already could, or if you lose something very bold and for the body text regular, the difference of the weights could already make this hide that it might not be a great combination based on their construction but it doesn't work because it, uh, it doesn't you don't really care so much because at first impression you see the difference in weight the, the contrast mm. is stronger there and um, when it comes to the construction though and you want to have this similar you can there are basically three four models you can take a look at how your typefaces are constructed and then decide if your typeface fits into that four model and then pick the according one for the other one so this could also be an approach yeah and i i really appreciate your your uh, professor's kind of take on just try it go with your gut i'm a huge fan of following your kind of creative compass, whether those are big decisions or whether those are small decisions like type in a project, why not? Let's just, if something feels intuitively right, like it's going to work for whatever you're trying to accomplish, give it a try. The worst that happens is it doesn't look great. Okay, yeah. let's try again, right? <laughs> or surprise, surprise, maybe it looks awesome. Maybe this this kind of experimentation in your approach led you to create something that you never normally would have had you followed the rules or the exact procedure yeah definitely yeah and the thing uh, Indra Kupferschmidt the professor she wasn't my professor though she's I just know her 
but and and she also was a guest on pimp my type about this topic of classification and pairing typefaces and what really revealed something to me from her was this idea of the font matrix and mm, tell me tell yeah, me yeah this is something i really enjoy a lot because after 15 years of doing this it opened my eyes and shifted my perspective dramatically back then i thought okay i had a book where it was about learning how typefaces look or something like that and you could take a look at least all this classic um classification stuff this more or less historic classification stuff is this an old style typeface or is this a transitional typeface and whatever and here the serves are bracketed and there the serves are whatever and it's just like super and i really tried to learn this by heart and understand it and but it was so hard because then I saw typefaces that had serifs that were this and that, and they were mixed. And is it now this or that? And and it just just it was interesting to let's say teach um, to teach the eyes and 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 become more aware or visually aware of typefaces. But it really didn't help me that much this historic classification stuff. And then there were people saying, "Oh, this is a humanist sans serif," and I say, "Okay, what is a humanist sans serif now?" And um, and the, her approach was that there are basically three kinds of um, form models that go uh, that lie underneath all typefaces, not all, but many typefaces. And this is not; it's not; it's a, a method of looking at typefaces and seeing them and understanding them in a much broader way and not in this very selective art historic approach let's say or design history approach which is also helpful but yeah <clears throat> and the first form model would be the dynamic form model here from these three if you imagine a typeface and the lower case letter e if this e has an open aperture which is the space that is inside the, the, the letter. And um, the, the shapes are more open, like for example, in open sense, or uh, which would be, if you type this in an open sense and you type a word in like mega typos, I always type mega typos as a word because I have so many typos on my content, it's horrible. And uh, there, <laughs> there, there I put this in and also at the S, is, this, is it opened or closed to its surrounding? So which, which would be this dynamic form model. Then you would have a rational form model, which has more closed apertures. And for example, if you take a look at Helvetica here, the E is almost like an O with a crossbar. Uh, because the aperture is very, very closed. And the A as well, the S as well, it's more stiff, it's more closed, it's more rational. So, And the third one would be the geometric one. If you think of Futura and you only have a ball and a stick, a circle and a, and a stick there uh, um, next to it for the lowercase a then, then this would seem very constructed, like almost with a circle or something, or the O with a circle, a perfect circle visually speaking not not mathematically speaking and uh, these would be then the three form models and when you take a look at the typefaces from this perspective and also take a look at the typefaces from the perspective with contrast when you put add some contrast or remove some contrast if you add serifs or remove serifs only these construction principles will become emphasized in one or other way and then you start to see typefaces in these more or less categories and then you will also find out that not everything fits into one category okay but you can also then decide is this one is a dynamic shape and th that one is a, a rational shape and both are sans serif 
they won't go together that well because they both have a superficial appearance of being the same, but on the construction base, they are very different. And then they are basically a no-go because are they similar or are they different? I don't know. I'm irritated. I'm, I'm afraid. So, <laughs> but it's a bit, it's a bit complex for an audio format. There's a video about that where you can really take a look at it and see it and, and understand it. And, um, it's the font matrix video, just Google font matrix in Google, uh, in, in, in YouTube or put it in YouTube and then you will find that one. And I'll under, uh, explain with some visual examples, but, but basically it can help you understand or give you a guideline to combine your typefaces. Fascinating. And I'll link that in the show notes. So I'll make sure to to have that example that you can visually look at because yes, there are certainly limitations here in an audio format, but I think there's, there's, yeah, so much kind of interesting meat that was in that, that um, description that you just went through in terms of this font matrix and, and rethinking the way we think about, about uh, fonts and categories and, and kind of the historical context because I too my eyes glaze over and I will say it here and I will say it now that I still don't understand font classification categories like I, I can't name them off the top of my head by any stretch of the imagination because <laughs> I will not do it right now y yes Oliver's looking at me like I I should list them off uh, but <laughs> It's it's something yeah it's something that just it feels really hard to wrap my head around, and then you mentioned uh, Dr. Nadine Shaheen and and her brilliant work kind of de decategorizing or declassifying or looking at different ways in which we can categorize type that is more useful and for just this purpose of choosing fonts, pairing fonts, and and really having them be kind of living breathing tools versus the these historic things on a shelf that we kind of have to fit into boxes or categories that's not always helpful yeah yeah because there are two approaches the one approach is if you want to put them into a box to file them in a way or do you right. want to find them right uh, the two situations here and um if you want to find them even though even if you browse google fonts and you filter by sans serif which is a good starting point then with that form models and that idea in the back of your mind, you can easier exclude so many of these options already because it will make it easier for you to know what you're looking for. Of course, you then have to apply this in your design and see if it really works out. But it's an, it's an interesting approach if you really want to have those harmonious matches, which are more or less the same typeface from the impression, from the vibe, from the feeling, or a bit exaggerated on one end or the other. But you want this to fit together nicely and seamlessly, just not to stick out too much within those uh, constraints. What is your favorite pairing right now? Like, do, so I know that that's a kind of a, an open-ended question and, and, and you've already alluded to the fact that it is very specific to what you're working on and, and everything, but do you have any kind of typefaces right now that you gravitate towards in your work and do you have an example of a pairing that you've done recently um yeah i'll just say the one yeah the question is always what's my favorite pairing for what yeah so when it comes to my own brand and my own stuff on pimp my type i really wanted uh, something for the body text i wanted something more traditional 
and also something serif since it's rooted in history and it's what we are um yeah accustomed with from print um and 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 there but i wanted to have this a certain twist and so i picked piazzolla which is a typeface from Huerta Tipografica. i think it's a it's a brilliant typeface for body text because it's edgy in some way but it's also uh, familiar and it would be a dynamic contrasting sans serif typeface uh, serif typeface and this is combined then now for my headings and titles with magnet which is a typeface that is more rational like helvetica in this category i would fit it but it's more quirky it's not that polished you have these categories of neo-grotesque and grotesque typefaces grotesque typeface would be like um for example um, um accidents grotesque yeah, hence the name i guess so <laughs> and they are more back then it's, it's a super old accent grotesque i think it's from 1890 or something like that 1880 it's super old but it's a typeface those early grotesque typefaces were basically slab serif typefaces and they cut off the serifs which is mm. so interesting on a uh, type history, historic point of view. I heard this from Olivia Kane from um, the Weekly mm -hmm. Typographic. Yeah, and I heard that. Yeah, that yeah, episode as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's such a great idea because this lab series are look at us, look at us, because we have now space. We can print. We have advertisement. We have to make this striking and large. And before that, there wasn't anything that went above, I think, 30, 30 pixels or something, uh, points or something, uh, or thirty-two. I guess it was then. But um the thing is with the slab serifs and then they cut it off to make it simpler and fit more stuff in and make it a bit more calm i guess but they still have those quirks and look crazy and i like this early grotesque typefaces a lot uh, because they they kind of are a counterbalance to this very smooth and soulless and dry typefaces <laughs> you see like roboto sf uh, pro or sf text pro uh, so, so from uh, from apple and 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 inter which are all good and uh, decent and but they all follow this rational form model but they have closed the aperture uh, opened the apertures to make it more legible but they are so replaceable so yeah it's it's so interesting going back to the slab serif stuff yeah, yeah. and just chopping off the the ends. And this is uh, probably for a different discussion on a different day. It's a whole other topic. But how interesting in in looking through the world of typography, this this idea of instead of to, to redesign something, to reimagine something, let's subtract rather than add. Mm. And so it's this whole idea of addition through subtraction. Yeah. And what can we do? How can we solve a problem not by adding something, but but by subtracting? Anyway, mm -hmm. that's that's a side tangent, but maybe a maybe for another conversation. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> now, I guess one of the last questions I have for you is in regards to. Um, I mean, we, you've spoken a little bit about different weights and widths and slants, all of those different font family members, but what can novice or even experienced designers what should they know when it comes to pairing type but using font family members we'll, we'll call it an air quotes appropriately i know that there there are a few rules there's there are a few rules but any any thoughts on that yeah when it, you think if it's a super family or an extended family maybe that 
that goes beyond the styles of regular bold italic uh bold italic okay yeah then um again here i think you should make or yeah make up your mind for what kind of role or for kind of text you want to use this typeface and um and and, and then combine it in that way I don't think you can use you, you. Of course, you could always use too many different styles. The the thing again with the, your content is, why is this looking different? Why do you want to make this italic? Why do you want to make this bold? Why do you want to make this bold italic? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, That's a good the, question. Yeah, bold italic is something I rarely use, really, because I'm not sure why. Why should if you're you're yeah, trying to yeah. to squeeze in a few more, uh, a little bit more space with your true italics, but then you're yeah. giving it extra weight. So you're, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not sure. Uh, there are a lot of <laughs> cases where it doesn't really make sense to use bold and italic. Um, but mm -hmm. there, you can always, I think, live with regular and bold with most cases you might survive with that. You need some kind of emphasis. I definitely need the italics because I really like, this is also style-wise, uh, in my blog and stuff, I really like to emphasize um, um, specific names or side stuff with italic i don't really like to use the quotation marks here and stuff and uh, I, I have a weekly newsletter a font friday newsletter where i recommend a typeface every week and write about this and for what application it's best and every second week is free font every other week it's a paid font and um, in this case i always set the name of the typeface in italic because i wanted to stand out a bit but not too much blend in more or less and um, then I also have bold, but I don't have bold italic. I don't use it. And um, bold is also helpful since when you glaze over a paragraph, you want to fixate on something and especially on the web. And if you really, you only read a bit, yeah, you have headlines to draw you in and you have strong text or bold text to draw, to draw you in or to tell your reader at first glance what this paragraph is about, that they don't need to read it, but they just know mm. it. Yeah. And so... If you have a font family, use those possibilities within that. And yeah, you can use as many styles as you want if it makes sense. For example, if you said something as a caption, a medium weight might be interesting because it's smaller. You want your strokes to be sturdier there. And then you make this more readable in a smaller size. So it could work. But for your body text, having this is a, a basic mistake I see a lot of times when you set your body text in regular and then you set your emphasis in semi-bold or in medium or something. Because beginners start to see these differences and then they're fascinated with it. Oh, it's slightly bolder. Or it's slightly lighter. And then they start to use this to emphasize text. Because they are happy that they saw this, because the skills are developed. But the problem is that nobody else is. <laughs> and nobody else will see that this is actually emphasized. So if you want to make it emphasized, make it emphasized and not slightly different or just change the background color a bit and stuff. Yeah. So this would be my advice. Yeah. Don't sit on the fence. Go over the fence. Just go, go yeah. for it. Yeah. It's a nice one. Great. I love that advice. The, the last kind of question I have for you here is around social media and specifically around type. Let's let's just use Instagram because that's what I know. I'll be selfish for a second. So Instagram, you 
post a video or you post a photo and then you have the caption underneath. What are your thoughts on not being able to choose the typeface or the fact that Instagram is choosing the typeface for you? And and you can think maybe more broadly in terms of other social media platforms and other other spaces on the web where how does it change our role as maybe designers or people who who play with type all day long? How does our role change in spaces where we don't get to choose type? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, the caption you relate to things like in stories or something when you want to. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have. Well, a... but not only. Sorry, yeah. not only that. In terms of even just the the caption below a photo or below, like places where we don't get to be expressive, and so really any space on the internet where the type is chosen for us. And you see that a mm-hmm. lot on social media. Mm-hmm. So there, yeah, like you said, in stories, there are places to be expressive and choose typefaces and choose the the color and the way it's presented and the size. But there are also lots of places on platforms uh, online where that type is chosen for us. Sure, definitely. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, I can say from a user interface designer's point of view. Well, I was going to ask. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, Uh, it would be horrible if people did so because you wouldn't understand the role of that. Then it would be like MySpace back then, which is cool. But (laughs) (laughs) I think it's okay. The the reason why it works... um, you have to make this separate because people would not understand that this is the caption or it would take a lot of mental power to process and separate those two elements or to combine or whatever. Is this one? Is this different? Where starts the other? Um, and 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 from a user interface point of view, it it's 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 it doesn't work. When it comes to when it comes to only being able to choose a certain amount of typefaces for your text within the stories and stuff then this is definitely due to uh, licensing since uh, instagram or facebook in that case of course they made let or they let some custom fonts design so that they own the license because then it is applied within the project and uh, you cannot pick one font uh, that that you have installed on your computer if it's a free font, you can, you can create an image and then publish it. And, but there are also some gray areas regarding licensing for paid fonts that won't allow you to post on social media with the font and so on. But uh, the thing is that, yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one licensing, um, but an important one. And you, you definitely have the possibility to express yourself within these boundaries. And I think for most people, who will choose a typeface there. And this also brings my awareness to people care about typefaces because they have the option and they use it, not just designers. They use it and they think this is more appropriate in that typeface. This emotion is more evoked in that typeface. And I want this to be part of my post or my story or whatever. And therefore, it has to have certain kinds of typefaces. On the other hand, um, when it comes to professionals like us, we can almost always create an image and post it, which is also a bit cumbersome if you really want to create and uh, every time another image. But I basically do and I have a more or less love-hate relationship with Instagram and <laughs> please follow we me. We all do. So. We all do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's it's just such it just kind of popped in my head as yeah. we were chatting because again, I know that you live in the world of of user interface design and and the fact that there are places and spaces online whereby mm-hmm. we are it is a type dictatorship. We are given we are given no choice as to how our type looks, but mm-hmm. I think in those situations and again, thinking about Instagram in particular, the typeface, I don't know what typeface it is. I should probably look that up. But the typeface that all of our captions are written yeah, in yeah. Uh, is very kind of, um, what's the word? All-encompassing. Or it's very, it, it does fade into the background. It is quite, yeah. I don't want to use the word plain, but it, it serves a broad purpose. I think there it's just the system fonts. Right. So San Francisco on Apple uh, devices and uh, Roboto on Android devices. But I, ah, I'd I have to check that. But I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they use it for the captions there. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That was a bit of a tangent. But I, yeah, I appreciate your weighing in on that. That's super Definitely. helpful. So Oliver, I have to ask you, in true talk, paper, scissors <laughs> tradition, if you could choose only one typeface to use for the rest of your life, what would you choose and why? Okay, Diana, if there was only one typeface and I had to use this for the rest of my life, I'll cheat with that because I would use the typeface ABC Arizona by Dynamo, which is a Swiss foundry, because it is a variable font with a serif axis and you can switch between serif style and sans style and what have you in between flared, mix, not sure about that. So you get a lot of design space and a lot of expression with only one typeface, which is very flexible. And I love that. I love the power of variable fonts. So this would be the one typeface that I chose because it gives you a lot of variety with only one typeface cheated on that (laughs) yes so good so good oliver it has been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today and and thank you so much for having me in your space as well and and getting to uh nerd out in in two places today which was which was really cool where can people find you Go to pimpmytype.com and there you find everything you need from the links to the YouTube channel, the link to social media, and also to what I recommend most, as I said, Font Friday newsletter, where you get a weekly treat if you're into type. Check that out. And um, yeah, also complain to me about bad typography. Best on Twitter at glyph with an E at the end is my handle. So fun. Yes. A complaints box for type. I love that. Thank you, Oliver. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Diana. What a gem. It was so cool getting to talk to Oliver all about the thing we both love most, type. I'm going to leave you with this short blurb from Oliver all about his new course in pairing type. Are you curious now and want to level up your typography skills with some improved type combinations? I launched a self-paced online course that will make you faster and more confident in combining typefaces. And I have a special offer for Talk Paper Scissors listeners. Go to the domain pairingtype.pro and save 10% with the coupon code DIANA. That's pairingtype.pro and the code is DIANA. But only until the end of December. I'd love to see you on the course.